Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Designing Sports Podcast. My name is Kevin Slattery, and on today's episode, we have Darius Ikewicz. Darius is a freelance graphic designer from Poland who focuses mostly on sports graphics, and I talked to him today about his collaborations project that he did with various other sports creatives. He did a fantastic job on it, and I'm really excited to talk to him about it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends, and read the article that's linked below in the description. Uh, that's where you can see all the different work and who we worked with. And it, it's really, this is kind of, this podcast is a companion piece to that article and to that whole project. So I, I think it really wraps up nicely what, what Darius uh, was able to accomplish there. Uh, he talks a lot, and we talk, I have a, a great conversation about a wide variety of things, both the project mental health, uh, how NBA defense was better in the 90s, all kinds of stuff. So it's a wide-ranging conversation. Uh, if you like the podcast, make sure to give it five stars on, on Apple iTunes. That helps other people find the podcast. All right, without any further ado, let's start the show. And one of my all-time favorite designers is here, Darius Akewitz. How are you, man? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks a lot. No doubt, no doubt. So Darius, you just got wrapped up with the uh, collaborations project and you wrote a whole article on designingsports.com about it um, can you talk a little bit about what that project is and and what made you want to do it yeah um, first of all it was fun not only to do the collaborations but also to write an article I was like um, looking for new ways to do things you know because when I have some free time on my hands I do like passion projects and I do like those collaborations so the article itself was a was a fun piece to do but um, overall I always liked collaborations because at some point you may be feeling rusty or burned out but with with collaborations they bring so much new things to the table so um, you can select or talk to different designers different styles different approaches and they all you can mesh that together and create some some fun artwork. Of course, sometimes um, you know those two styles may, may not work together, or you you may run into some trouble, etc. But it's all kind of like a, a like the creative process gets gets some new new motivation, new style, and I think that um, it's kind of an essence of what we are doing as designers because um, when we work commercially. We, we many times have to connect with other people, but with passion projects and collaborations, we can just let it all fly and do whatever we want. So both sides of, of that, or even three sides, because you can collaborate, of course, with a lot more people, um, everyone brings something to the table. And at the end of the day, when I spoke to the, the five designers that I collaborated with, everyone was, was happy about it. And they said... Um, three or four people from it said that it was their first collaboration project and I'm glad that I was a, a part of uh, you know making it fun for them and that they maybe they will carry that um, to further collaborations with other people like I saw a few designers now joining forces trying to come up with something so you know it's like it it's not like a movement because it was always a part of the community, but I'm glad that sports designers maybe will um, go that route more, more thanks to the article and to the work that we've done. Right, and and I, I think that what was so cool about this project was, one, the caliber of designers that you're working with is so dang high. I mean, Joe Kion is a guy that we talked to on, on, on this podcast earlier. He started the, the um, Designing Sports Slack channel and like, he is he's he's one of one of the best and and he's he's uh, got some work that I, I I really enjoy and I really enjoy your work so it was just cool to see the, these five designers and kind of as we go on um, you know maybe we'll, we'll get in each each one of them but to me what what I really want to talk to you about was the beginning part of the article you talk I, I just think you had so many interesting points that are really important especially for younger designers or designers who want to break into this business like I, I I think it's it's critical for them to hear some of the stuff like um, one of the things that you talked about was the vulnerability of opening up your PSDs and how it inevitably teaches you almost how to organize your your PSDs you know when you look at layer 159 you don't know how to find a splatter um, 
and that you wanted to move with uh, that naming nomenclature that you may try to learn a thing or two about organizing your layers properly. That's a, a quote from the article. And, and can you talk a little bit more about how that maybe helped you develop as a designer in terms of organizing your files? Yeah, um, when it comes to collaborations, I've like I said, it's, it was always a, a part of the community because like when I started, it was 2001 and we were just building this whole thing. Of course, you know, the, the greats before us that did the logos and print for for the major leagues, etc. Those guys were, were there, but um, for the, the era of internet and digital artists, I think it, it was really a beginning because um, we would do those wallpapers and, and the whole community was building at that point. Um, like I mentioned in the, in the article, um, West Coast Remix had a great forums at, uh, and at that point, there was a lot of those, those projects where two designers would, would collaborate and you would have some, some intense artwork. And it was never like, like there's so much hate right now. I'm not saying in our community, but overall in, in, uh, in the internet, people are hating on each other for no reason. And that always brought uh, good stuff from people um, mm-hmm. when they were collaborating. And now <laughs> to the point of your, um, uh, the organization, I, from, from the beginning, I'm kind of an organized person. I like to name each one of my layers. Um, you know, like there are also the, these motivational quotes that um, if someone is uh, creative, he has to have a dirty desk or, you know, have a lot of cr- clutter on it. I was never like that. Um, I always like to have things organized. I like to know where they are. And that goes into my PSDs. And then as Photoshop developed and, and grew, you had groups, you had, um, you know, clipping masks, all of those things. And, adjustment layers yeah and to me not naming that stuff means you're not doing your job as a whole you know because you can have a like, absolutely you can have a dirty psd during the process but then you sit down you have those five minutes you you name the things that you need you flatten the, the things you don't you merge you know the layers and and have a clean psd and for me also a part of that first is for sharing because um, many times clients will want something from you or um, those files will have to go to a third person, you know, maybe for print, maybe for something else. So all of those things have to be named, organized. Uh, many times you will have to embed the, the fonts in your actual folders and provide the pictures you used. So all of those materials um, have to be organized in the right way because you're otherwise you're losing time and when you're losing time you're losing money right so right and and the other thing that to kind of relate it to uh, a little bit of what I do so I uh, designed the look for ECU football on on social media for our, our in-game look and I had to hand our PSD files to uh, Steve who works Steve Allman who does a great job for our our marketing team who updated the the our graphics while I was on the sideline taking pictures and if I don't do that in a clean organized fashion it's going to be really hard for him to quickly change the score on game day which he needs to be able to do that quickly um the other thing too was like I had uh interns this year for the first time and when I hand an intern a template that that I made I need to make sure that it is organized and they know exactly where they need to go to change the name or change the number or, or do something like that so uh, there's a real professional development skill in there that um, that that's really in, in that collaboration process. It's really important, and I think is is underrated, especially as like we really get into the weeds on on sports graphics and things like that. The other thing too is is as far as like being organized goes, I, I've learned that if you're handing your file off to somebody that maybe isn't Photoshop savvy, um, you know, like a, a if you work in in sports and kind of work. Uh, especially in college athletics, you might be handing your graphic off to um, what's called an SID, a sports information director. And sometimes that's the person that updates the social media. And so, you know, if you, um, if, if, if they don't know Photoshop, it's going to be impossible for them to scroll up and down and find that layer 159 where they need to import the score. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like you said, with the interns, you're also, it's also a grassroots kind of approach because you're, kind of learning the next you 
what to do, right? So right, you want right. you want you want them to have a head start. Like, of course, you can be one of those people that oh, I don't share my information, blah blah blah. But at the end of the day, you know, it's like um, the the design world is about sharing, and many times we we give out like the the passion projects and everything. We don't have to do that. Like someone would say, oh, why are, are why are you giving your ideas away for free? And the same goes with with PSDs or other type of files where. Um, why would you do that for that guy? Let him just figure out where that layer is. But it, in the end, it's, it's it's bad for you and it's bad business and and people are losing time again because, like you said, during the game, you may you may end up not only with a guy who has to update the sc- score on a static graphic, but maybe someone will have to animate it during the the play that just happened, and you want. Mm-hmm that information and that um, particular file out in seconds after it happens so if you're not doing your job then you're you know your client or wherever you are um, employed is losing at that point so and and your team you're letting your team down you know it's being it's like being a bad teammate like it it really does come back to kind of like the the player who maybe doesn't doesn't know his playbook as well and as a result isn't you know, isn't in the right spot where he needs to be at the right time where he needs to be. You know, it, it really is about kind of seeing beyond yourself. Like, I'm not an organized guy at all. Like, if you could see, I'm, I'm recording this in my apartment right now. My room right now is a disaster. Like, we just got finished with signing day, you know, so that's my kind of my, my internal excuse. But, like, there are sweatpants and clothes and bags everywhere. It's it's a mess. Like, I like you talk about the guy with the, cre- you know, how creatives always are messy. I fit that stereotype. Like, I'm a very messy person. Um, but the one thing I, the, or I guess the two things I don't like to be messy is one, I don't like PSD files that I send out to other people being messy, and I don't like my desktop being messy. Like on my computer, it it bot, it irks me immensely when I have a bunch of icons. Well, uh, I don't judge people. Like I try not to judge because everyone is different. So if as long as something is working for you, then go ahead with it, right? But um, there are certain things that you will be sharing with other people and those things just have to be in order like uh, like i said i'm an organized person but right now i'm sitting in my son's room and i have a toy dog next to me and there's this there's this huge puzzle also next to me on my desk so you know it's also an art of letting go when you have kids and you work freelance at home um, you learn very fast that there there's no no such thing as perfectionism and it's just it's just a big lie if you think, well, it's a lie or or you know um, or you're lying to yourself that you can achieve some kind of perfection. Um, always try to to get it, but be also ready that sometimes you know um, it takes too much. Like maybe I will say it wrong. Um, sometimes it's it's not worth the hassle to to do certain things when you can invest that time in other things. So and, and I think it can it can get in the way of actually making the thing that you wanted to make. So like for an example, we have recorded this podcast what four different times now. Like we we've had to re-record it, re-record it, and frankly, that's me on my end wanting to make it perfect and wanting to edit it and wanting to um and and basically like almost being scared to put it out, you know, because it wasn't good enough or it 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 was wasn't the right tone or anything like that. And you maybe know, it, maybe you just need a better designer. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Uh, I think people will be able to see your work and and see that. Uh, no, that that is not the problem at all. Um, I think you but, just you just have to let go sometimes and just let those things flow. Like I'm I'm no great writer or whatever. Um, I just enjoy that stuff. And like when I was sending a rough draft of that article about the collaborations, everyone said that. They really love it, and I was like, "It's it's okay, right? You know, it could be much better." But then, then I said to myself, "But if I will try to make it better and better and perfect it out, then maybe it will won't go out at all." So that right. that would be my loss because because I already invested time in it, but also I had fun with it. So why not show it to people and let them decide? But at the end of the day, I also. I also tried to let go of um, people judging my work, like affecting myself. I try, right. I try to put in, like, get those comments to m- to myself, like constructive criticism, but not let myself be 
killed by it if if those are some bad comments or something because people we all have different approaches different motivations and we like different stuff so my artwork doesn't have to speak for everyone to everyone but i i will continue to do my work and you know <laughs> and i think that's the difference between uh, a personal project and a work project so you know we had our signing day videos that um that i i kind of had to make and you know, again, a lot of other people helped, and and um, it was really great. We got to work with uh, professional uh, Port City Films. They did a great job. Um, but I had this hard deadline of like it has to all be done at this time. It's so, like that kind of helped the imperfection. You know what I mean? Like like having an external deadline helps. Whereas when it's so I, to me, it's so much tougher when you have no deadline, right? On a personal project, there's no client saying, "Hey, we need it by this time," or there's no you know, coach saying, hey, I need this to be released at this time, or there's no sports information director that says that we have a press release going out at this time. You know, there's no external thing. So it's all internal, and that can be really tough to kind of, like, face. You know what I mean? What is that uh, like working working with freelance? Is that do you, do you feel that is harder? I know exactly what you mean, but like I said, um, right now when I have a child, um it changed really because back in the day I would, you know, procrastinate or whatever is that word. Um, you know, maybe that is I, exactly that word. Maybe I would play some 2K, maybe I would read a book, maybe I would find some inspiration in certain places. And right now, when I have, I know I have like, okay, I got two or three hours right now, so let's get to work. And it's like, I think. Like the, they say that every journey starts with a single step. Like for many people, I think starting is the, the biggest problem to everything. So if you learn yourself that you, you don't, you have limited time, but you also don't stress about it, like make it, um, oh my God, I cannot do this because I only have two hours before my son gets up, blah, blah, blah. You know, that will kill your brain eventually and will devour your motivation for anything. So learning the process but for you know your particular situation is is important that's why i don't really enjoy like articles or um videos where they tell you how you should live your life because everyone is different and for me this works and for the other person that may not work you know so um with personal projects i try to first of all i let go of the perfectionism um and when i don't feel like um when I don't feel like it, I, I try to let it go because um, it's personal. It should be fun. It, it should give you the, the moment um, of using the things that most clients don't want you to use or will change it or will revise it. Like, oh, this text is too small. We need the game day to be important or we need Michael Jordan's name on every graphic because no one knows him, you know. It's, it's those <laughs> kind, there are those kind of kinds of approaches that when you just the, the thought the thought of a client saying that no one knows who Michael Jordan is is pretty funny. I, I I appreciated that because you know there are you do have those people who are like well no one's gonna know the you know the name of the star player if we don't, if they don't see him a million times like yeah you know, old exactly thing. And, it's crazy man and uh, you know there are some rules um, certain companies or clients won't let you do something and you already know that so your design process already. Right already is different for that client because okay um they don't like the logos being in a box they don't like um it being a clip mask in in a circle or you know some kind of a 3d effect the logo has to be always um full frontal and big and everything so but you are you know within the branding itself you are allowed to do certain moves but your client may not like that so when you yeah. have a personal project you can let go of all of that stuff and you know I want to have 50 autographs on this graphic and, and just one guy sitting there or, um, you know, something something else. Um, I remember this design by um, Jay Clay from a few days ago. I think it was on, on IG stories um, where he had like Kemba Walker being there like six times, you know, in a dimensional way. It's, it's It was a really fun piece, but for many many companies wouldn't let let that go um let him do that um and like right. and i my response to to that design was also you can make james harden over there but the, the design could be just empty canvas you know not sure if you saw what he did recently he did like a double step back so 
he was yeah he would he would just jump out of your frame but not many i mean like many people maybe would understand it but some probably wouldn't but that could be your artwork right blank canvas because james harden jumped out of it (laughs) so (laughs) you just see you just see like his toe like on the back end you're you're talking about james harden the double step back he did that was totally not a travel but definitely a travel Exactly. You can have like yeah. a like a bit of his shoe, or you know, his bird bird sticking out of there. So, it, yeah, that's that's a I, and and it's interesting too how different. So like I think to me when I hear that 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 design that you just put forward, I think that would be really funny for like Bleacher Report, right? Like a Bleacher Report or like a SB Nation or some type of like um, like journalistic type of you know, um, third party that covers a team would want to do that. But like, of course the team itself wouldn't want to do that. Like the difference between working for a team specifically and working, um, for, and, and even like the different types of teams too, like, like what you can and can't do. Like I'm lucky enough that in college football recruiting, like it really just comes down to like, do the coolest thing, like make the coolest looking thing. And, and we'll figure out that how it works in the style guide later. Um, Whereas, like, if you're working more marketing side, more tickets, you know, ticket sales, um, kind of public-facing type stuff, you have to be very regimented in that um, in that style guide. So, yeah. I, 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 I think, again, that it comes with a particular situation because, like you said, um, Bleacher Report, they have extremely creative stuff and that would work for them. But also the Atlanta Hawks, for, in, for example, they do such an amazing job on social that they would go, you know, get away with something like that as well. Um, maybe not this particular example, but they could do things like that. Or Sacramento Kings, they also do some incredible work. Um, uh, and I think it, it pretty much depends w- what your ownership wants um, and all of those people on different stages that will approve something like that. So if your voice on social is, you know, cool and and laid back, like, like the hoax have it, um, then maybe you can get away with that, right? Right, yeah, and, and, and yeah, I agree. I think it's it's really about the voice of the team and, and what they kind of want to do. Um, it, and, and the NBA has been really good about that over the course of the last few years where they've really let their teams kind of go back. I know um, Adam Silver tried to, like, curtail it a little bit, which was not fun, and I, I don't get... I understand why you would want to curtail maybe teams like talking smack to each other or whatever, but I still think like you just got to let them have fun on, on social media. Like it's so, it's so refreshing, I guess when you have a league like the NFL, it takes itself so very seriously. And then you have the NBA that doesn't take itself seriously at all. It's, it's so fun and different to see those two different things. Yeah. Um, but, but then on the court, like to me, it's, like there, there's a lot of fouls and stuff like that that you know at one point you want to the teams to shoot 25 threes in a game but you don't want them to play hard defense so and you don't right want, you don't want the player to flex their muscle after after a dunk so those are the things that i miss about the 90s like it was already you know the start of um i don't know what it's called like um when you have to say the right things you know the the I can't. The, the people, some people call it political correctness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It's like I think to, it's, to me, to me, it's yeah. too too much of that in today's world. We we should we should really learn to let things go and kind of um, you know not take everything so seriously. So for basketball, I really miss those hardwood times. You know when the the Heat would um, go against the Knicks and they, there could be a brawl. You know. Because each game was oh, so, yeah. it was so packed with testosterone, and everyone was like buzzing over there. And those those guys were huge muscled dudes, and you know things like that. They they wouldn't yeah. go for it. So I think to me, it all kind of goes back to the malice at the palace, though. Like I think that's probably the one incident that maybe changed the course of NBA history and like kind of forced the league to take a different take a different turn. But I I, I guess I don't really miss the the like I get missing the physical brand of basketball like I I I actually enjoy the NBA as it is now like I like the freewheeling offense and and kind of having I, I I don't know if I like the brand new defensive rules I think they're a little they might be a little much um and and I think they're a little too constricting to playing fantastic de- like just allowing guys to play fantastic defense but you know it, it is what it is the 
I guess what I was trying to talk more about is the general spirit around watching an NBA game is very like it's very fun, it's very upbeat, and it's very almost like silly. Like it's almost like everybody in the league is in on the joke. Like you have players talking smack on Instagram and in, in Instagram comments, and you have Joel Embiid who is the be- I love Joel Embiid, but um, just the way he kind of handles himself on social media and stuff. Like you just don't get that in any other league right now. Like you get you have it a little bit in the NFL, but not as much. Um, and I just I just I love how much personality each team and each player is allowed to have. I just think that's always really precious and cool and and when we look at your design project um you do you have a tony parker piece with him in the throwbacks can you talk a little bit about that yeah sure um just just to get back to your thing um uh yeah i I also like what Embiid is doing and those guys um also the nhl has some really cool stuff like um patrick marlowe's um christmas picture where he took um I think uh, Austin Matthews, that, that's the name of the guy, and Marner. Yeah. And, and they tried to do do a picture with them over there. Like, he has two additional kids, you know, with, with him. So, right. So that's a cool thing, too. Um, to me, it's all... I think people are looking for the truth, like... Um, like real interactions, not something that you feel it's marketed in, in a certain way. Because you can have... You know, you could have Joel Embiid, you know, s- selling something through those those tweets that he does and everything, and then it it wouldn't feel so real. And we have a lot of that um, where we just feel it's we're hit with advertisement on each point. So um, it's it's big for those guys to to be themselves, and uh, you know, I think people are looking for that. Um, as to the Tony Parker, um, I really like those jerseys because. <coughs> They bring back the '90s feel, and I was a I was a Charlotte Hornets fan when I was like six years old, um, and then when they moved to New Orleans, I kind of stayed with the Pelicans. But still, when I saw the the court design from the '90s, um, and and those jerseys, it's like it's incredible. It's like going back in time, and then you have Tony Parker, a guy who for whole Hello. his yep. Darius? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I lost you for a hot... I lost you for a second, man. Okay, sorry. Um, and when you have Tony Parker over there, the guy who did so much good in, in the league and is such a such a general on the floor, I, I had those pictures and I felt that this is a great thing to do. And just a few days before that, I did a personal project about um, Glenn Rice, who is one... pretty much my favorite player. He even responded to that... Um, to that design I made so I already had like like the foundation with the honeycombs and and the colors so when I started that design I, I told Dave that um, we're doing Tony Parker um, in, in the hardwood jerseys and he was all for it because um, like he said he like at his work he doesn't work with the colors like that he's working with the Ravens now and he was working with the Buccaneers before so you have like like red and purple, but you don't really work with teal, and the, those kind of shades. So it's it's much different, and it's it's a cool thing because if you work for one team, you will you will be restricted to there some is? colors. You know, hey man, you I'll, always I'll have some you, possibilities. But can you hear me? Yeah, are you are you pressing something? Is there like a? No, no, no. I don't know. Okay, maybe my internet. Yeah, maybe. Okay, so. Um... For just for reference, where uh, can you tell people where like where exactly you're from and why maybe the internet isn't working? <laughs> it's not a third world country. Um, it's I'm, Poland. It's yeah. It's, I'm located in Poland. Uh, yeah, it's, Europe, so I, and it's 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 just not, amazing how far to go back. Like it's it's crazy that this works at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially with the amount of snow we have today. So. Oh well, then yeah. So the snow. It's I, I get it. Yeah, it's, it's not that it's a third world country it's just that it's a, it's so far away like the fact that you could be that far away talking to some goofy guy in his apartment in north carolina it's just crazy anyway kind of moving on i i i liked i i liked all of them i really want to talk about the uh De'Aaron fox design yeah <laughs> what went into that because that looks that looks difficult just trying to make it look so photorealistic um I kind of made the first card and then said like 
Kenton told me like 700 times that we should collaborate finally and, and let's call up, let's call up, let's call up. And I'm like, yeah, I, had, I don't really have time. I have something else in my head. And then I started this project and I'm like, people were sending me tweets that they want to collaborate. And I already had that one spot reserved for him. And I did the, I did the card um, in that graded, um, graded box. And I just said, you know, do whatever you feel like, like you want to do with it. And he had a crazy vision that I don't really understand to this day. But, you know, I, I was open to anything. And I like how realistic those cookies are over there and the shadowing and everything. And also the, that card is so like, like so crazy, but also so fun at the same time that it's like, like what this project is about, you know, someone had a vision and they went their own way, you know, and when he sent me that card, I was like, okay, we're done. I'm not adding anything over here. <laughs> you, you said, all right, I see, I've seen what I needed to see and, and it's not going to, not going to get any better than that. And it is cool to see these two different, completely different designs. Like they are, are so and you could tell that you can tell that Kenton did one and um and and you did the other because yours is very it's very geometric it uses a lot of different shapes um it kind of has more of like a traditional sports feel whereas uh Kenton's is completely out of left field and yet together they work that's what's so impressive about it is that you have these two completely diametrically opposed styles in one piece and it doesn't it's not jarring, it's not distracting, it doesn't feel disjointed. It all flows together and it's really impressive. Well, thank you for for myself and for Kenton. Um, but it's it also shows like um, because we we have a friendship, we talk a lot um, and we we understand each other. So the, this was my start and then this was his finish and I think it, it came out really cool and I, I'm really happy with the result. It's, it's, it's a fun piece really because when he sent it to me, I re really, I, I wasn't expecting that, but I know his style and I know what, uh, what kind of things he likes to do. So it, it was really fun. And, and he's a good example too of what I was kind of talking about earlier where, where you know, he, he works in recruiting. So a lot of his work we don't see because the, the way it works is he makes these graphics that get sent to prospects and then it's up to the prospect whether or not they put it out. And he can't put it out himself until after signing day, which was uh, December 19th. And so that was just a few days ago. Um, and so, so now it's like he has all this work that he can finally put out if they, once they sign uh, once they sign the kid and um yeah he posted a lot of that work and it's like it's incredible because i remember his first work that he sent to me it was like a like a nhl goalie i think um on an iceberg um <laughs> you know it, i see the the translation like the the movement and everything that he has done through 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 the past years and you know i'm not to brag, I was kind of like a little mentor to him. I always tried to help out and, and talk about his work. And and it really, uh, I'm really proud of him and what he's achieving, not only with his work, but, you know, life in general. I think, I think design kind of translates a lot of things in life also, because you're working on your craft, but it's kind of like in sports, you know. The more you work, the more you feel better about yourself and you you get better at things and that translates throughout life itself and and you can use those use those things you know for for greater good or your own betterment i don't know if that's a word but no that is have you noticed that in your own work have you can you kind of see the maturity both in yourself personally and as you look back at your own work yeah definitely um i'm a veteran now <laughs> So if I would, I would probably go back and not make some of my mistakes. But then again, if I wouldn't make those mistakes, I wouldn't learn on them. So it's kind of a time traveler's problem because you can change the past, but then the future will be different. So judging from where I am now, I'm happy with every decision I made in my life. So even if they were not um, easy. Yeah, it's... Um... So uh, for, for those of you that don't know, um, Kent, Kenton, uh, there's a, a big article in, um, in ESPN, 
and Darius is uh, mentioned in that article as, as a Polish designer who reached out to uh, to Kenton when he was was struggling, and um, it's just it's very very cool to kind of see that come full circle, and and um, and watching you you guys kind of create it together is just uh, watch, watching you guys make something together, which is very cool, and, and that piece really is is special, and and I'm glad you guys got the opportunity to do that. Yeah, we we collaborated before. We did a a magazine cover for Phoenix Suns. They had this. Um, a project for free where people could do the game day covers so th that was like a few years ago it was fun as well um, and as to as to struggling and, and people having problems I th that's the same kind of approach that I have in in design like we should be helping each other not you know being enemies or anything like that so anyone can have a struggle they can have a you know bad time and and we all like we always should should reach out to people like um the, the last time we spoke about this um i remember telling you that um i listen a lot to linking park um and to me like the the death of chester bennington was kind of an eye-opener because um the guy had everything you know money children a house and everything and then he just killed himself because um, because he had problems and we anybody can you know it can hit anyone you know mental problems or any kind of problem that is that at some point you feel it's it's too heavy to 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 carry around and then um, just talking to someone can many times help in a in a great way and I like personally I have a great circle of friends and family and you know at the end of the day you may not have money because you made some investments or maybe you made some mistakes in your life but if you have that family if you have that circle of people they will pull you pull you um up instead of dragging you down so it's it's all in the mindset of what you do and what you try to achieve like being bigger than just a designer and giving something back to the community like it can be a simple comment to to a designer who is just starting you know you don't have to be you don't have to be over criticizing someone because they used a you know a font that you wouldn't use or they did something that you don't see like a good solution you know to a problem right but you can help those people and i like that's why i like that the the designing sports slack channel because it's such a such a group of different people it's like here you have some creative directors but you have a guy who is looking for an internship in somewhere in in new york and and you can help that person you know you can you can talk to that person maybe you will work with him one day and maybe for that person this will be a life-changing moment because they found um the profession they want to pursue so you know um it's all part of the process and, and I think thinking positive and doing positive um, will always kind of come back to you. Yeah, and, and I think there's such a problem with kind of the greater design community at, at large where our version of critique, I feel like, has gotten so binary where it's it's only a fire emoji or a trash emoji like you know it's it's, it's like we we've, we've lost our ability to critique it's terrible i i'm not a, an, an emoji guy i don't it's not my culture <laughs> i may be too old for that stuff but like you know clicking a fire emoji is like one second right but you're not giving anything to it like i will give that fire emoji don't don't get me wrong you know I will give it to you, but um, if I have some time and I have something viable to say, I will try to do it because I think, you know, that's what I believe in my core, that we should communicate with people and a fire, fire emoji won't do that. It will be, that's the same, like when you get older, you don't focus on likes because, you know, it's just someone hitting a, a heart shape, but maybe you're, you know, you have a lower engagement rate or you... You, you know, lower followers and, and everything. And why would you be sad that you just have 50 likes um, when someone else, you know, their work can be, you know, your work can be better than theirs, but um, they have 20,000, you know, likes. So if you let if you let that thing dictate your life, then 
it's not a good look for it, you know. So I try. Yeah. I try not. Absolutely. To, I try not to fixate on that stuff, you know. That's. And I, and I think, I think it depends on who likes it too. I think that to me is what has become a lot more important than the number of people who like a, a project. It's it's who who is this reaching? Who is this connecting with? You know, it, are are other designers that whose opinions and whose work I respect, do they like what I'm doing? Or is it just kind of, you know, some random guy with a default profile picture? You know what I mean? Like they, not that that person isn't a, a valid three-dimensional human being, but you know, it, to me, it's, it's become less and less about quantity and more about quality and, and who, who are the people that, that like my work and, and, and stuff like that. I think that to me is really important. You know, it, it's looking at who your, who your work connects with, like for, kind of keeping it on on recruiting and kind of what I know if recruits like what I do the people who you know are the the, the potential student athletes and and um, and and to a lesser extent the fans like what what I'm doing awesome that's that's great that's amazing um, that's who it's really for you know what I mean it's, it's I think it's a, more about knowing your demographic than just like some stranger in Iowa likes my thing you know what I mean yeah, but that that also brings us back to the the art of letting things go. Like to me, that's true. To me, the most important um, thing is, do I like it? If I don't like it, then it's not going to get posted. You know, of course yep. there is there is client work. You know, so they will give you many revisions, but at the end of the day, they say, okay, we like it, so that's okay with me. But if I'm doing a personal project, then I don't really care if someone will drop me a comment like oh this is you know you did this for the 20th time so what it, it was fun for me and until it's fun for me then that's what matters you know but um i'm open to comments i'm op open to likes and i like to listen what people think but i don't i i try to let go of it i don't try to make that the most important thing about my process or about my work and i think I think that works for me, you know, for someone else, it may not work. So just adjust the process to whatever needs you have. So that way you're, you're happy with your work. And if you're happy with your work, the brain works in a, in a mysterious way of making your work better because you're happy. So always try to, I really think there is a like, look good, feel good, play good thing with design, where if you don't feel like you're enjoying what you do, it shows in your work. Yeah, and it's a, it's a problem also because you have to make money at the end of the day. You have a family, you have bills and everything. But if you don't let go, if, if your brain is not into it, then you are probably not going to do the best work that you can do and maybe you won't get that money. So it's, it's crazy because like for me, I, I have to manage a company, um, take care of my family, money, bills, things like that, but also manage that time between family time, work time, looking for clients, working with, with clients, talking to them because I work freelance from home and also in a different time zone. So um, all of those things. And then on the, at the end of the day, you also have to be a bit of an accountant and you have to understand those things. And financially, it also has to make sense. So um, you're not looking just as at, at a designer, but you're looking at a, you know, um, a team of people inside one body because you have to take care of so many things. And that can be daunting and that can kill your motivation if you let it. But if you if you learn your processes and how you, you should manage everything, then it can be a very good um, thing for you. Right. And, and that's that's why the freelance route is, is so difficult is you have to do so many things beyond just being a designer. You know, you have to really you really do have to be an entrepreneur on top of being a designer. And that's why I, like, I really respect the, the, the people who, who go the freelance route. Just because it is, it, you know, people kind of have the vision of, oh, I just sit in my sweatpants all day and, you know, and make stuff. And that's, that's not how it works at all. Yeah, the most usual comment is, oh, you work from home. That has to be fun. And I'm like, well, it's, it is fun because I wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun. But then I have my, uh, my son um, trying to climb up to my MacBook, trying to help me with a design, you know, in his own way, just slapping the mouse with his hand, you know. And I, I don't want to expose him to too many screens at, at a young age and everything. So 
for now it's like um, you know it has to you have to have some kind of uh, um, like boundaries within your family where okay this is my time to work and really I love you all but I cannot be bothered at this moment because I'm you know trying to to earn some money or do something good in in design itself and you have to you really have to focus on many things and you 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 know that's that that's a part of the process so with freelance um you have all of those things and on top of that like you did a great job right and everything and and then a client doesn't pay you you know and you have a, an invoice standing for a month, two, three, four, five, and you you just feel like, why am I doing this stuff, right? But um, it's the pros and cons. Like for me, it's always more pros than than those cons. They will happen, but um, making the right decisions and looking for the clients that you will feel they will value and respect your job and everything that you put into it. Um, they in in a result, you 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 will be good with it. Right. And I, I think that's kind of the, the thing, too, I would imagine is a little bit it, it feel, I would imagine it feels like with each client, it's almost like to some extent you're you're jumping out of an airplane. and You're hoping that the parachute will open, you know, or that someone actually packed it, you know, because you can <laughs> you can. Right. You can have two sandwiches in that backpack. But, you know, <laughs> just just eat those sandwiches and see ya. Right. So. And enjoy the and enjoy the ride down. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that. I, that that to me is is one of the the, the tougher part of, of of freelance where, and and especially in this era where people take advantage of creatives and and don't really um, appreciate the work that that designers and and creatives at large do. I think it's so easy to get taken advantage of and and work for you know exposure or whatever, you know and yeah and um, uh, when yeah, it, when it's just it... easy to do that. When it comes to that exposure work, um, also I try to look at it, you know, from different angles. If if someone is getting something out of it, you know, not necessarily money, but um, I don't mean exposure itself, but um, many times teams would do um, design our game day program and you will get free, ticket, free tickets, right? They're not free because you put in the work, but you are getting something that you want um, out of that um, project. So... I wouldn't vilify every every attempt of doing something for something where it's it's not really money involved in there. Yeah. So um, we always have to look for those good opportunities, not when someone will want 60 logos from different designers and then they say, oh, none of this hit what we wanted. And then, then they come out with a logo that's three, three of them connected together. So... Those are right. those are the types of competitions that I try not to take part in. Yeah, and and I, I don't know. I I, th- I think it depends. I think I I also see the other side of like they're a you know a million dollar company that that should pay a des- but if you're paying a designer and you just decide to have it as like a one off, I I think that's different from saying like okay we're gonna have fans do all of our, you know what I mean? Like if you're an NBA team and you just outsource, you know what I mean? And you like tried to crowdsource your entire design, I think that would be a bummer. Yeah, right. But at the same time, like I get doing a one-off, and I don't know. I think everybody's situation is is different, and and I I I don't know. It's it's a tough like because the whole spec work thing is just such a tough. Well, it's the value back and forth. The values, your work and experience, and the things like you're like you you design something. It's it's really a result of years of experience plus your knowledge of, of, of design itself and, and those things that you put into that work. It's, it's not like just, just the end JPEG that you are sending. So like if you're doing spec work, then at the same time, you're, you're kind of not respecting yourself and what you have accomplished, right? And then no doubt. And then many times those those kind of works will um, look for young designers who just start out and they think, okay, maybe I will get some exposure from this stuff. And it doesn't really happen like that most of the time. So um, I think as professionals and and older designers, we should always tell those rookies um, <laughs> that they should be on the lookout for those opportunities um and only select the the best ones you know that isn't really spec work but you're getting something out of it 
Yeah, and, and you're getting something out of it too. And I think it, there's it, it was a little bit like you were saying earlier, where they're paying for the experience too, right? Like the experience that you have as a designer. Like I think that's just that's one of the toughest parts of starting to merge into doing this for a living is like understanding your worth and knowing exactly what your worth is, right? Um, and that's where kind of that's where having a salaried position is much is 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 very attractive. Is is in that somebody tells you exactly. Um, what they're paying you and, and you know, kind of it's, it's easier to do that. Whereas starting out freelancing can be so tough because that's kind of how I started a little, I, or at least I thought that's how I was going to start where with, with a, a freelance and it's so hard to like, how do I make my rate? How do I define my, you know, my hourly rate? Do I do hourly rate or do I do it by project? And you know, it's just, it's, it's such a, a, a tough, tough thing to, to figure out. Um, Darius, if we had to look at your, kind of go back to the collaborations project i'm gonna ask you a tough question and if you don't want to answer you you don't have to answer jesus but you know what's okay i think you might know what's coming uh if you had to pick one what which which design do you think you learned the most from not which one's the best which one do you think you learned the most from learned i don't know really you know, because um, um, aside from one of them, I started each one. So I kind of gave my vision <laughs> as a starter, you know, because everyone, you know, it's different. If they would, if, if they would start, then I would be kind of the closer, you know, it's, you, you kind of approach the, these projects like, uh, like in basketball where people have different roles, you know, so um, the one that I would say I learned the most, um, Yeah, I, I cannot pick one. <laughs> I like each one of those and each one gave me something different and I really enjoyed talking to each one of the designers and um, giving my advice and, and, and hearing from what they think, you know, so... Now, do you normally start a project and then hand it to somebody else? Um, I think so. <laughs> maybe And then, and then maybe, they kind of take it from there? Maybe it's just me being, you know trying to do it my way or something mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. um, when uh, when I was sent the the Carl Anthony Towns um, design I really liked the look but we, we, we with that um, particular artist we have a similar kind of styling so I kind of knew what he was going to come up with but um, it's it also was interesting to be the the person that was going to finish up that design instead of starting it so i think i'm good in in both roles but over here i kind of also wanted to put in my schedule um because i had ideas for th two or three of those works and i wanted to kind of give um, the other person space and time so I would um, start my work and then hand out those designs and they would be finishing them kind of simul simultaneously, you know. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So it was just kind of a scheduling thing. Yeah. Do you feel like there's something then that you learned from the project overall that you feel like you can take and and kind of hold on to? Well, I I had some really great um, comments from from designers or, or on different skill levels and everything that it gave them some some insight on on the on the process itself so aside from having five really nice works from it i also have that article which also gives me like motivation to do maybe more writing because maybe i have some some knowledge that i was maybe too humble for years to to give out you know maybe because like my, my design work doesn't have to speak to everyone and someone can say, oh, this guy is mediocre or, you know, I'm better than him. But I have some experiences and some history um, behind those things that I think it can be valuable to um, to younger designers and give them some some much needed insight and what they can achieve with, with all of that. So I think that the biggest part of that collaboration project is that I will probably try to write a bit more and, and maybe give more to the community. And also I like the fact that people, that I see some people trying to collaborate with each other. And that is kind of a, a cool thing, you know, that it's, it's coming back. Like people, 
I'm not saying that I, you know, came up with it <laughs> to to get it back, but um, I think in the end, people will get more nice work um, out there. That is a connection of two or three styles, and and based on that, you know, it's it's something good that comes out of it. So you said you said you you got five good looking pieces. And you, you got an article out of it, and, and I, I think at this point you got a pretty great podcast out of it as well. Yeah, but I, I was up for this podcast for a year, so um, it's not just the collaboration project. I think you, it's, it's like a lifetime achievement or something, right? To, to, <laughs> right. To be so here. We've, you, you actually like recorded <laughs> uh, an episode of this when it was Pen Tools Win Championships, which was a, a different version of this, of, of this podcast that I wanted to do before it was even... On the designing sport before designing sports Slack was even really a thing, um, and so I, Darius, I, I really appreciate you, man. Always being, always being game, always being down to, uh, down to do it. Uh, that that I didn't like that phrasing. Um, I, I I appreciate that you you you've always been been kind to me. You've always been helpful to me, and and you've always had the uh, the the collaborative spirit. So it, it makes sense that you were uh, able to do this project. Um, it, it it came out great, man. It's really, it's just standout work. If if you're reading, if you're you're what you're listening to this and you're not actively reading the article, what what are you doing? Um, it's a fantastic, it's a it's a really well written article. You, I I am taken aback by how how good it is. And and then on top of that, you have these great designs. Um, they're they're all really standout pieces. The the Baker Mayfield piece is great. The Julius Randall piece is great. Um, I, I really loved the Carl Anthony Towns one too, just because I think that uniform is so cool, and and it has this cool '80s vibe to it. And I, yeah. I, I just I really like each and every one of them, man. You, you did a great job. Thank you. I also wanted to prove the American people that when English is your second language, you can write an article too. Right. That's what's <laughs> that's that that makes it even more that 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 was what really blew my mind. About it. I was like, oh yeah, he just like speaks Polish natively. This is something that. You know, English you kind of picked up through like video games and TV and stuff like that, right? Yeah, like um, maybe that's not good parenting on my mother's side, but she had like Cartoon Network for me when I was five, and back then it was only English. There was no subtitles or nothing like that. So I, but also it was the old school cartoons. Like you know, there was always a moral to the story. There they were teaching you something you know even the the Flintstones with you know Dino and all of that those people they were they were also learning you stuff so Hanna-Barbera um, Disney those things um, they were a pretty big part of why I actually understood English and then I was playing a lot of games with my brother but it was also a different time and different world because most of the games were strategies and adventure games so those characters would talk to each other and you have to like the secret of the monkey island that was something that i really really loved and they had all of those um dialogues in there and it it was super fun even for not knowing you know english itself you were learning those things and i still remember like um one of those <laughs> dialogues was how much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood right so it was like it was like mind blowing like the how f- I, how fun it was um, to play those games and um, games, cartoons, and then then I was studying English at school and everything. So, it's, Darius, it, I, you know, if if you think that it's weird that you got raised by cartoons at five, I'm telling you that's how Americans get raised too. So you really uh, you're 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 par for the course on that one. Don't feel like that's too uh, that's too bizarre. A lot of us learned honestly. A lot of us learned English the same way, and I think that that might be why you have such a uh, a good colloquial mastery of, of, of the language. You kind of know how it how it sounds, not just how it's written, but how it it, it sounds to have a conversation with somebody. Yeah, but um, a, flu- just, a fluent fifty eight minute long conversation with somebody on a recorded podcast. Yeah, I have a lot of conference calls, so you know, people that that skill comes in handy. But um, uh, like like I said, it was a different time because I I don't really want my son to see the cartoons that are out there today because whenever I put that on like I try to be like he's too small actually to watch any tv but sometimes I would I will just look over what cartoons are there and it's it's a crazy world really like when I when, when I listen to their dialogues you know either Polish or English it's 
it's really insane to me sometimes what what we are feeding our children right now with 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 those kind of cartoons and everything so i will i will do my best to kind of keep him away from from that stuff i rather have him read some books um and look at pictures and and maybe develop some kind of you know love for the for the printed um materials because to me it's still something that's important in life you know books and 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 things that learn you know the the artistic way yeah absolutely and it's it's all about what you you put in and what you put in is what you get out um well well, Darius thank you so much man for joining us this was a a great what a fun uh way to kind of cap this this series you you did a fantastic job and uh, I, I can't wait to see what you put out in the future Thanks a lot. It was great um, being on this podcast again.